I want to share a few thoughts with you. I don't plan on keeping you long. Um, I want to, um, uh, before I, I jump into the verse in the Bible that I want to share with you, Jesus has this ability, because he's God, to say a word and whatever he says is created. So whenever he says light, there's light. Whenever he says be healed, that person is healed. So his, his words have power. And so in the scriptures, because his words have power, one of his names that people refer to him as is the word. Because his words have power. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning was the word. So Jesus was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Jesus was there with His Father, God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus was there, the Son, the Father. He was there with the Father, but yet He was God as well. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Everything that was created was created through Him. If you ever wonder who created the world, Jesus created the world. Everything that was created was created through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. It shined in the darkness, but the darkness could not comprehend it. So Jesus was in the beginning, and he formed, and he made, and he spoke, and he breathed everything that we know. But what's interesting is that though he was standing next to the Father, and though he created everything that we see, he threw stars in the sky. He made planets. He made planets. He pulled mountains out of the ground. Made water. I don't know if it happened exactly like that, but that's how I see it happening. He, he made water, and then he saw us, and he backed up. He saw a man, and he went, uh, he needs company. Put the man to sleep out of his rib. He formed a woman, and he backed up and went, that's good. Adam had the assignment before he saw the woman. He had the assignment of naming all the animals. Alligator. Listen to his creativity. And then all of a sudden his, his creativity goes down to nothing when he meets the woman. 
So he, he sees, he's walking around, and he's like, alligator, crocodile, rhinoceros. Whoa, man. I think an angel walked up to him and said, before you go talk to that woman, you need to finish your job and, and finish naming these animals. Red bird, black bird, blue bird. How you doing? I'm Adam. Let's just get that done. So creative. Right down. Hello, I'm Adam. And then Jesus looked down and he saw that there was no way that we would ever be perfect without him. He saw that while we were gonna be on this earth, we were gonna have a really, really hard time. And he looked down and he said, I I don't want you living your life struggling and and just, just living from one glass of wine to the next. I don't want you living like that. I'm going to come down. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says that he came out of the heavens and the angels said, his name is word. But now that he is among you, his name is also Emmanuel, which means he is with you. Now here's the part, I've had a metamorphosis. I should, have, I should have crossed this bridge a long time ago, but just give me some grace. Church was never supposed to be, let's work on our behavior so we can go to heaven. That's not what church was ever supposed to be. Let's, let's, let's act really, really good and let's watch our behavior so that we can be with Jesus in heaven. That's not the way it was supposed to be. The way it was supposed to be was we live with Jesus. We see his power in our life where things that were impossible all of a sudden become possible. And then when we die, we go to heaven. And at some point in the journey, church became, we're gonna work on our behavior so that people who are, good at being good can go to heaven. And then all of a sudden, all the impossible things that Jesus wants to do, we don't ever see them anymore. And I believe that that has broken the Lord's heart for generations. Because it's his desire to see impossible things happen in our life. He actually said it. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7. He says this, ask me and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock on the door and this door will be open unto you. And just in case we think that some people are more important than others, he backs up and he goes, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks the door shall be open to you. And I think that while he was talking, just give me a little bit of creative license here. I think while he was talking, he was looking at a crowd just like this. And he could see in their eyes that not everybody believed what he was saying. There were some people that were thinking, not everybody who asks receives. Come on. And then he says this. He goes... You parents, if your child 
asks for bread. And the reason why he picked parents is because nobody loves more than a parent loves their kid. If you want to see a woman go crazy, say something about their kid. (laughs) Eyes rolling. I know you didn't. They go nuts. There is no love greater than a parent and their child. And so he uses the greatest example that he can pick. He goes, you parents, if your child asks for bread, would you give them a stone? If your child asks for an egg, would you give them a snake? He says, no. So if you who are sinful, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the Father in heaven give good gifts to you? It's almost like while he was here, he was saying, impossible is not impossible if you get me involved. It's not impossible. And in, in, uh, at the turn of the year, 19, I feel like, four score and seven years ago, no. In January of 2019, we decided as a church family that we are going to go after impossible things. We're going to go after them. And let me get that, that folder. If somebody has a tumor, then we're going to pray for the tumor to be gone. If somebody has cancer, then we're going to pray for the cancer to be gone. If somebody is blind and they can't see, we're going to pray for them to be able to see. And then for Sunday after Sunday, the only thing that I ever said was, if you get healed at Celebration Church, send an email and tell us about it. That's all I ask. Now, some people didn't send an email. And shame on you. But these are the ones that did. Cancer. Last Sunday, three people with deaf ears. Three. In fact, Matthew, where are you? Uh, Come on. uh, He's on the camera. Uh, Give the camera to somebody else. There you go. People who are watching online, you should have came. Matthew, come on down here um, and and give give Matthew the, the microphone, if you would. Um, kind of putting you on the spot, but tell everybody what happened last Sunday. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, like I said, my name is Matthew Starnes. I've uh, been going to Celebration for a couple years now. Uh, to kind of explain what happened last Sunday, I've got to kind of give you a little backstory of myself. Pull the mic up. There you Sorry. go. Uh, back in 2009, I joined the United States Marine Corps. Um, and during that time, between then and time getting out in 2014, started losing the ear, uh, hearing in my left ear. Um, recently, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. To the point where it literally sounded like somebody was talking through a pillow anytime they're on my left side. Like I couldn't hear him right now if he was screaming at me. Um, last Sunday, I was doing camera three, and first service, he says, you know, try to, you know, he asked for healing. Um, and then he said, uh, Pastor Frank, he said, if, you know, if, if something's hurting you, try to invoke the pain. Well, I can't invoke a deaf ear, so I just covered up my good ear and tried to hear him. Couldn't hear anything. Went on second service, same thing happened. I tried to cover their good ear. 
uh, nothing happened. Third service, he had a word of knowledge saying that if you're going deaf in your left ear, I want to pray for you. Uh, arm shot up before I knew what was going on. Uh, he called me out, brought me up here, and I, just the leap of faith that it took to walk up to the front and raise my hand in the back. Somebody said amen somewhere on this left or on this row, and I actually heard him from my left ear. And it kind of made me stumble a little bit, and it kind of took me off guard. And I stopped for a second. I, I kind of just kept walking. Then I was standing right here in front of the speaker as the band was going. And Pastor Frankie was praying for somebody next to me. And I started, I could actually hear him praying for somebody else next to me. So I covered up my good ear, and or my, other, my right ear now. <laughs> um, and I could hear him whispering into the person's ear next to me on their opposite side. So through them, through the van, through everything, I hear perfectly crystal clear, just like he was saying into my ear. Praise God. That's awesome. Why am I sharing this on Christmas? Because on Christmas, that's when his name said Emmanuel. And I just want to say, in Psalms 103, verse 3, it says that he has come to forgive you of your sins and heal your diseases. For someone who has lived their life in sin, their entire life, like me, and then to come to Jesus and say, I'm sorry for my sins, and to have all those sins wiped out as if they never happened is an unbelievable miracle. But then he backs up and he says, Frankie, and he says this to you too. I don't want to just stop there. What else is impossible? What else is impossible? I'm going to ask you, what else is impossible? Um, There was a guy 37 years ago, a preacher far more eloquent than I. His name was S.M. Lockridge. And I heard his sermon, and I just started laughing when I was listening to it. And because he's so eloquent. So I went through his sermon, and I grabbed chunks that I really liked a lot. And I just want to read some pieces to you. And then after that, we'll be almost ready to go home. It reads like this. I know where a sick man can get well. Where an ignorant man can become wise. A bad man can be made good. A good man can be made better. I know where a dead man can be made alive. I've come here tonight to say I know where a poor man has a chance. It's in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord, and Lord means ownership. Jesus didn't have to put his signature in the corner of a sunrise because he's the owner. He didn't have to carve his initials in the side of a mountain because he's the owner. He didn't have to put a brand on the cattle of a thousand hills because he didn't have to take out a copyright on the song 
that gives the bird that he gave the birds to sing because the word Lord stands as a reverent illusion to God. The Orthodox Hebrew in Jesus's day would not even pronounce the sacred name God, Jehovah, or Yahweh. They wouldn't even pronounce it because it was too holy for them. Instead, when they read his sacred name, they would simply say, the Lord. Jesus is Lord because he came down the stairway of heaven, born in Bethlehem, hid in Egypt, brought up in Nazareth, baptized in Jordan, tempted in the wilderness. He performed miracles by the roadside. He healed multitudes without medicine and he made no charge for his service. He conquered everything that came up against him. He took your sins and mine and went out to Calvary and there he died. Let me take a sidebar. I'm not done reading, but let me just say this for somebody. If you're sitting in this room and you're not a church person, but something in your spirit is telling you that what I am saying is true, trust it. Trust it. Over the past 2,000 years, kingdoms, people, cultures, nations, ideologies have tried to discredit the name of Jesus and destroy its credit, his credibility. Well, I would like to ask if you're going to destroy his power, what are you going to use for power? If you try to destroy him by fire, he'll refuse to burn. If you try to destroy him by water, he'll walk on the water. If you try to destroy him by the wind, the tempest will kiss his hand and lay at his feet. If you try to destroy him by law, you will find no fault in him. If you try to destroy him by the seal of an empire, he'll break it. If you try to destroy him by putting him in a grave, he'll rise. If you try to destroy him by rejection or ignoring him, soon you will hear his still small voice saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he will dine with me. You cannot ignore him. You cannot ignore him. That still small voice. Jesus is Lord. His name stands as a synonym for free healing, friendly help, and full salvation. He blessed, his blessed name is like honey to the taste, like harmony to the ear. It's like health to the soul. It's like hope to the heart. He is higher than the heaven of heavens and he's holier than the holy of holies. His birth is our significance and his life is our example. In his cross is our redemption. In his resurrection is our hope. At his name, to his name, in his name, every knee will eventually bow and every tongue will shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now many people say, I've got a lot of living to do. 
I'll make him Lord one day. But right now, I have a lot of living to do. You must know you won't really live until you come to know him. He has said, I have come that you may have life, but not just life, but to have it more abundantly. As for me, I'm not going to wait to serve him. Borderline salvation is better than being lost. But that's too dangerous for me. That's why the prophet said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him for he will abundantly pardon. I am not going to wait. I acknowledge Jesus as my Lord now. The Lord is love and his love is stronger than sin, deeper than sorrow, Mightier than death, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my salvation, the Lord is my rock, the Lord is my fortress, the Lord is my deliverer, the Lord is my high tower, the Lord is my shield, the Lord is my buckler, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, this old world is a wilderness of want. We're always wanting something. A man will break his health down trying to get wealth, then turn around and spend his wealth trying to get his health back. It isn't, if it isn't one thing, it's another. If it isn't the rocking in the cradle, it's the folding in the grave. Something is always running out. If your bank account gets low, your blood pressure gets high. If you have money, your health begins to break down. If you have a job, your eyesight starts getting dim. If you have food on your table, your faith gets weak. If it's not your enemies bothering you, it's your so-called friends. While you're building up over here, it's falling apart over there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A little girl was asked to recite that verse and she said, the Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. They said she was wrong, but I say she was right. The Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. I, I, I shall not want for rest because he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I shall not want for refreshment for he leads me beside the still waters. I shall not want for forgiveness for he restores my soul. I shall not want for guidance for he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I shall not want for companionship for yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I shall not want for comfort 
because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I shall not want for provision because you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I shall not want for joy for you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. I shall not want for anything in this life because surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall not want for anything in the life to come, for I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. I love how it says, I will dwell in his house. It says, I will dwell there. I will dwell in a land where you and I will never get old. I will dwell out there where the silence of eternity is interpreted by love. I will dwell in the sun-kissed regions of an uncloudy day. I will dwell in the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because Jesus Christ is Lord. Would you put your hands together if you believe that? Absolutely. 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 I want to say I love to see the impossible. I love to see the impossible because you and I as children of God, we are here to attack the impossible. Does every prayer I pray get answered? No. But with the attitude that I have, a lot of prayers do. I was in a gym the other day working out and one of the guys there said, hey, I want you to pray for somebody over here. And it was a young boy in a wheelchair. I don't know if that family is here tonight. If you are, would you wave at me? I think you were planning on coming. He was in a wheelchair. He couldn't speak. And Paul, the guy that invited me over there, he looked at me right in the eyes and he says, this family needs a miracle. The common thread amongst all of us is we all need a miracle. The only difference between one category of people and the other, there are some people that need a miracle and they're helpless. They have no hope. And then there's other people who need a miracle who have hope. I got to get down on my knees and hold that little boy's hand. And I, in my imagination, I just saw that little boy just getting out of his wheelchair because I just saw someone get out of their wheelchair two weeks ago with cerebral palsy. And so I'm on my knees and, and I'm just like, this is going to be two in two weeks. He didn't get out of the wheelchair. Man, I was so disappointed. See, when you see miracle after miracle after miracle, you're more surprised when it doesn't happen than when it does. I was so 
bummed. I really wanted that one. I know I'm not going to get yes every time, but I wanted that one. Have you ever been there? God, I know you're not going to give me everything I want, but I want this. I went back to the gym this morning. The owner of the gym, her name is Jennifer. Jennifer, are you here? Yeah, there you are. Stand up. Wave at me. Don't let me say something you didn't say. She said that the mother called her this morning. She said she's completely surprised. First of all, the little boy doesn't let anybody touch him, but he let me touch him. I didn't know that at the time. Usually when somebody begins to touch him and get close to him, it ramps up his outbursts. But he actually got calmer. But then, help me out. Come up here, come up here, come up here, come up here. Come up here. I shouldn't help you up here. You're tougher than I am. Come on. She said that yesterday, after Pastor Frankie had prayed for her son, that he had the most amazing day. And it was just awesome. And what was was amazing about the day? He was very calm. Very calm. He was attentive. He listened. There was just a peace that came over him. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, for those of you in the room that think like I think, well, I want to see him get out of the chair. Right? If you think like I think, you think, I'm not going to chalk that up as a miracle And I'm not going to chalk that up as God until I see something that impresses me. That's normal. And if you're thinking that, don't don't feel like you're a bad person. I got two thoughts for you. Number one, I'm thinking that too. Number two, nobody knows that boy like the mother. And if she's impressed, I'm impressed. There's a young boy who had cerebral palsy, had no hope. He got better every single day, and six months later, he was completely well as if nothing ever happened to him. I don't know how God does it, and I don't know when he does it, and I don't know how he does it, but I'm here to tell you that his name is still Emmanuel. He's still among us. He still moves. He still attacks the impossible. And listen to this. You've never lived a day in your life. You've never, you've never lived a day in your life without him standing right next to you. In Job chapter 12, verse 10, it says, The breath of every living thing it is in his hand, and the breath of every human. Every time you go, <sighs> he gave that to you. And he gave it to you because he loves you. 
In Romans chapter 2, verse 11, it says he has no favorites. There's not a person on this planet who has ever lived or lives right now that he loves more than you.